guidance and his blessing on us. Our Heavenly Father, as we continue our path to Yah, we ask you to be with us today, strengthen and guide us, open our minds and our hearts and our understanding to receive all that you have for us here this afternoon. As we continue our discipleship training, we pray, Heavenly Father, that we will continue to grow on that pathway that leads to your kingdom, leads to your righteousness, leads to you and your spirit. We pray, Heavenly Father, be with us in this worship service today. Bless our speaker, Pastor Obadiah, with words from on high. And we pray that we'll just turn our hearts and our attention to you and to this message which is the theme of the hour today, discipleship training. Be with us in this worship service, we pray, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, and dear Lord, Savior, Redeemer, and King. Amen. 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 Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say a short personal prayer as well before getting started. Heavenly Abba, Yahweh Elohim, I just need out of glory and praise. I just pray that this day you see your work, Hakodesh, my way. Even at this very moment, send them within me to abide as I strive to lead and guide your flock into the green pastures of your word. Causing them to bring to memory all the things I've heard during my study time with you and to filter my lips that nothing escapes them except that which is good and true. Therefore, from the lesson this day, Father, I do pray that you allow your flock to feed freely. Not that they might be impressed with me, but that they may be blessed by thee. I only pray that you utilize me to illuminate the darkness with your words light, that it displaces any frightened, that it strengthens their hands, that they might fight to enter into thine kingdom. Therefore, for me this day, Father, I do pray that you allow your light to shine extra bright. Again, not that they might see me, but that they may find you, the one in whom all glory and honor is due. Yahoo, my Ellen King, I pray you accept for me this day my offering. In Yahushua's name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So, we're here today for the discipleship training. Hallelujah. So, it's been a, been a minute since we've uh, done a little discipleship training, right? Hallelujah. You know, uh, so we're going to jump in to the world of scripture before getting started. And the form of a poem says, Welcome to my world. Place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here, swords are likened to the word, the demons are burned, the dead are yet alive, the living are actually dead, blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, they're later found to be that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place. And the awesome world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen. For the rock opera dash is about to begin teaching. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We're going to continue on with the story of Moses. Hallelujah. This is y'all's picture, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I thought, I thought so. Yeah. That's just a nice picture. You know, I know it's AI generated, but, <laughs> but it, is, it is really a nice picture. <laughs> All right. Hallelujah. All right. So we're going to start with Exodus chapter 2. Um, verse 1, we went through Exodus 1 already, you know, uh, and that was just, you know, the introduction, right? So, Exodus 2 starts off, well, first of all, let me, um, let me have someone just read Exodus 2, 1 through 6, please. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's bank, brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Hallelujah. Okay, so here it is. We have a man of the house of Levi. Levi. Um, name means joined to or attached to. And this is the tribe that was chosen of Yah to be joined to or attached to him. And it was it's also the tribe that was chosen to be joined to or attached to Israel, his people. Amen. You know, and in fact like it's a people in and of themselves, you know, they came out of Israel but they're not counted as Israel. You know, there's their Yah's own separate possession. Amen. You know, and so uh, I want you to be able to see that first because this is where this man comes from. You know, and it speaks of her putting him in bulrushes. Now, this word bulrushes is Gome in the Hebrew, it's number fifteen seventy-three in, in your Strong's um, Concordance, and uh, it speaks of an absorbent, specifically the papyrus. You know, now. It also says that she laid flax in it. And flax is suf, number 5488, which speaks to a reed. You know, and a reed is what they made papyrus from. Okay? And papyrus, in case you don't know, is um, really a, probably the world's first paper. And this is what all your, your, uh, early books would have been written on. You know, they would have been written on papyrus. You know, and so it's also important to note, you know, that the largest library in the world was in Mitzrayim. That library of Alexandria. It was the largest library in the world. You know, and that's important, important to know, and we'll get into it a little, in a little bit. You know, but what I want want you to see is that 
he was wrapped in paper. So this is a picture of him being wrapped, you know, in the word, if you would. You know, and his sister stood afar off to bear witness to what would be done to him. You know, and so the Egyptian uh, um, woman, the daughter of Pharaoh, she found him, had compassion on him. You know, now it goes on in verse 7 through 10. It says, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter. Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? How convenient is that, right? You know, here it is. Her mom, you know, puts them in in the bulrushes and, and put them put them in the uh, in the river, and she she watches to see what happens, and she see Pharaoh's daughter grab him, and you know want you know wants to keep him, and so she volunteered to go over there and ask. You want me to go and find a nurse of the Hebrew women? You know, and the Pharaoh's daughter, verse 8, and the Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. You know, and the Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. So here it is, Moshe's mother get paid to nurse her own child. <laughs> you know, how good is Yah? Yah pretty good, isn't he? You know, Yah is good. You know, talk about taking a negative and turning it into a positive, right? You know, y'all pretty good. Verse 10, and the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she called his name Moshe and said, because I drew him out of the water. And so Moshe speaks to one who's drawn or drawing out of the water. Drawn or drawing out. You know, um, that is rescued or rescuing. You know, and so... In this case, he was drawn out of the water. And later on, he would even draw Israel out of the water. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know, so, but um, I'm getting ahead of myself, slowing down. All right, so this is what Moshe means. Now, Moshe is a type of Yahushua. But also understand that his life serves as a model for every servant of Elohim who's been drawn out or rescued from the letter of the word. I'm going to say that again. Moshe serves as a model for every, I should say every would-be servant of Elohim who's been drawn out or rescued from the letter of the word. Now remember, the letter killeth, but the spirit bringeth life, right? You know, so... Here it is, <clears throat> Moshe is a picture of one who is drawn out of Mitzrayim. He's a picture um, who's drawn, who's uh, drawn out of the word. He's a, and that's in Mitzrayim, so he's a picture of one drawn out of the letter of the word, you know. Now with that in mind, I want you to consider Yochanan 6, 44 and 45, which says, No man can come to me except the Father have sent me, except the Father which have sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So here it is, Yahushua, our Messiah, saying, No man can come to him except the Father which have sent him draws them. Now, those who Yah draws that come to Yahshua, it's just like Moshe, one who was drawn out. Can you see that? Yes. 
You know, verse 45 goes on to say, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of Elohim, every man therefore that have heard and have learned of the Father. Come unto me. Because, of course, he was Elohim. You know. And so, those who he taught were literally being taught of Elohim. You know, and so, he's telling them, like, you have to be drawn out. You know, you can't come to me unless you're drawn out. You're drawn out of what? Drawn out of the letter of the word. You know, because the letter of the word speaks to the physical aspect of the word. The surface level. You know. And Yahshua speaketh to the spiritual aspect of the word. The inner part. You know, so Miss Rain speaks to the letter or the container and Yahshua speaks to what's in the container amen. Amen? amen and so you have to be drawn past just the container because if that's all you have and that's all you understand then you're not going to make it you have to understand what's in the container the container is beautiful but what's with what it withholds is precious and even more beautiful. Amen? That said, Moshe's life can be divided into three pivotal sections. Consider, um, we're going to consider uh, the first of these sections. Uh, consider Acts 7, 20 through 23. Uh, let me have my next reader read Acts 7, 20 through 23, please. In which time Moshe was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moshe was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And when he was full 40 years old, he came, it came to his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Okay. If you're truly drawn out of Elohim, know that you're going to have to endure three distinct periods of testings and trials. Moshe's life is made up of three um, test, three distinct testings and trial periods, or periods of testings and trials. You know, uh, you can very clearly see the divisions in his life. You know, um, hereby we learn that he was 40 years old when he when he. Uh, when it came to his heart to visit his brother, the children of Israel, you know, he was 40 years old. Now he would leave shortly thereafter. So the first, uh, the first section of trials or period of trials, you know, um, speaks with or deals with the earliest parts of his life, which like ours was in Egypt. You know, now Egypt speaks to the letter of the word, which is where you first learn of Yah. That said, it also speaks to the worldly or surface level understanding of the word that is that is truth, the word of truth, that is all truth. So, you know, Miss um, Raim even has glimpses of, you know, the knowledge of the world. You know, even as I aforementioned, they had the largest library in the world. So anyone who wanted to learn had to go to Mizraim. Anyone who wanted to study those books that was in the largest library had to go to Mizraim. So Mizraim literally 
was a learning center, you know, for the world. You know, and so everyone would migrate there and they would learn the truths, you know, that was written down. And so, you know, Egypt speaks to the letter of the word. It also speaks to the worldly perception of the word, you know, as well as all worldly knowledge. You know, now, something to, to hold on to is that truth is best understood when viewed from the proper perspective. You know, truth is best understood when it's viewed from the proper perspective. You can take a look at something you know, and see the truth and not understand the truth because you're looking at it from, the, from an improper perspective. As an example, let us consider, um, let us consider the, uh, say, what do they call that? The Heimlich Maneuver or, you know, um, Heimlich Maneuver. Heimlich? Uh, yeah, what he said. What'd you say? Heimlich. 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 Yeah, Heimlich. So the Heimlich Maneuver. Now, imagine from afar you see someone doing the Heimlich uh, Maneuver and, and they have somebody and they're, <clears throat> and they, they're pulling on them and they're banging on their back. You know, from afar you'll think they're assaulting. You know, but those who understand will know that you're trying to save that person's life. So you see how the, how the perspective of truth makes all the difference? That makes all the difference. You know, if, you know, you have to have a proper perspective. Now, when I'm speaking about Miss Raim, I'm speaking about the, the surface level or the surface understanding, the container. You know, and when I'm speaking about, you know, uh, coming out of that, I'm speaking about actually opening it up and going into it, you know, which is what Yahshua um, represents, you know, because, you know, he represents the spiritual aspect. Spiritual means inner. So we're talking about what's in the container. You know, uh, let us consider the food loss, you know, um, for example. Now, if I were to ask you what What's your take on the food laws? Why why are they there for us? You know, um, what would you tell me? Anyone? Health and well-being. Health and well-being. Someone else? Well, of course, yeah, put them there, but you know, for what purpose? Obedience. Obedience. Anyone else? Say again. Guidance. Absolutely. And all of those are correct. But all of those speak to the container. And not, you know, it's just speak to the surface level. Open the container up. And see within. Come out of Miss Rain. You know, and you begin to see other things. You know, such as, you know, when you think of the food laws and you think of, you know, we're we're not to eat anything except that that has a split hoof. Okay? The split hoof speaks to the arms and the legs. You know, because 
that's what the animals, that's where their split hoofs are, is, are on their arms and their legs, right? Or you can say, you know, I don't know, you can say four legs, you know, but two of the legs attached to the shoulders, so that would represent arms, right? You know, but however you want to look at it, it speaks to the arms and the legs or one's walk and one's actions. Because the feet and the legs speaks to one's walk. Whereas the hands and the arms speaks to one's actions. You know, so with these food laws, Yah is showing us how our walk should be and how our actions should be. They should have a split hoop. In other words, they should be divided from the rest of the world. You see, because, you know, your unclean animals, most of your unclean animals don't have a split hoof. You know, so... What y'all is trying to tell us is that our walk should be different from theirs. We should be discerning. We should be divided from them, separated from them. Mm -hmm. You know, he's also telling us, you know, when you consider that, you know, the unclean animals are, are carnivores. The unclean animals are predators. He's telling us that we shouldn't live by attacking and robbing other people and taking from them. You know, he's he's teaching us that we shouldn't consume others for us to benefit, you know, for our livelihood. He's teaching us that we should actually eat that which he has put before us, such as the grass and the herbs that, that you'll see. You know, and so... When you look at the character of these animals, you know, they speak to how our, our character should be. You know, and so, like, he's actually using the food laws to actually also teach us how we're to live. Mm -hmm. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. You know, see, but that's more of an inner understanding rather than an outer understanding. Mm -hmm. And neither one is wrong. Like I said, the things that were mentioned were absolutely correct. You know, but they, they were all centered about the surface level. But there's an inner meaning to the word. You know, and when you come out of Mitzrayim, you, you no longer just look at the surface, but you look within the container. You're not just looking at the container in and of itself. You're, you're more so spending your time within the container. Well, what else is in here? You know, and so you start, you know, meditating on it, and Yah begins to show you what else is in the container. Amen? Amen. So once you're truly drawn out by Elohim, like Moshe, you'll begin to perceive things differently than your brother. You know, which at some point will force you to leave <laughs> Miss Raim. You know, when. When you start seeing everything different than your brother, and at some point it will force you to leave, leave Mitzrayim, which is how many of you wound up here. Because when you were going to the quote-unquote Christian churches, different things, you know, was transpiring, and you got to a place where you felt like you had to go. You know, and whatever the reason, because it's different for different folks, you know, but 
at some point you're going to be forced to leave and then you, you find yourself at a place, at some place else. You know, once you begin to start seeing the inner aspect of the word, you know, yeah, you're going to kill some Egyptians. Oh, did I say that? I got ahead of myself, didn't I? <laughs> All right. This is depicted in the story of Moshe by the following. Let me have my next read, read Exodus 2, 11 through 15. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian. He speed spied an Egyptian spying an Hebrew, a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and in that way. And when he saw that there were no men, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou my fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Innest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a wall. Well. Well, well. Okay. Now, you know, we have to go to Acts 7 to actually tell us when this happened. And so when we go to Acts 7, 24 and 25, it, it teaches us when this happened. It says, and seeing one of them suffer wrong, speaking about the same account when he went to, uh, you know, to see his brethren. You know, he saw one of them suffering wrong. He defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Excuse <clears throat> me. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how the Elohim by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. Can you see that Moshe perceived things one way, but his brethren per perceived them another? You know, see, Moshe had got to the point where he was drawn out of Elohim. He was no longer looking at the letter of the word. He was looking in the container. He began to see things um, and have understandings that that his brethren didn't have. You know, and this is what brought him about to slaying the Egyptian. You know, and the Egyptian speaks to the oppressor and the oppressor speaks to those clergymen who, who were in, in position. You know, but weren't true clergymen of Yah. Say that. You know, now, point being, Moshe perceived things one way, where his brethren perceived things another way. Um, Acts 7.25 said he supposed his brethren would have understood how that Elohim by his hand would deliver him, seeing that he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, and in a perfect position to do so. But they understood not. See, he was seeing, you know, the inner workings of Elohim and all they could see was the outer perception. 
like, yeah, all I know is you killed that guy. You killed that Egyptian, you know. And so now, you, are you going to kill us too? You know, mm. kill me? You know, and so, like I said, once you start perceiving things differently, it will force you out of Mitzrayim. So, what comes next? Moses, Moshe moves to Midian. You know, and so, he gets up out of Mitzrayim, and he goes to Midian. Now, this speaks to the second period within a would-be servant's life. The second period of his um, testing and trials will be in Midian. You know, and what is the first thing we're told concerning Moshe's life in Midian? It's found in Exodus 2, 16 through 21. My next reader, please. Now the priest of